Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Timothy to come up and deliver the word to us today. I think it'd be wise of us to keep in this atmosphere as the word goes forth that the word of God can do the maximum that it wants to do in our lives when we combine it with the spirit of God. Brother Timothy, would you come? is in this place can't imagine going a day or a week or any amount of time without feeling his presence what a beautiful experience it is to be able to freely access God's presence the way that we do amen well I I want to speak a word today that I feel like God has given me for this church, for this time. Um, uh, Pastor and Sister Burke are uh, spending some time with some friends of theirs, getting some uh, much-needed time away. And so um, just keep them in your prayers on their journey home, that they will be safe. Um, But I know that Uh, The time that they spend with their friends is time that sharpens them and sharpens their friends as well. And uh, it's beneficial for both of them to be together. Um, And they go back a long way, the wheelers. And so we're just thankful that they're able to get away and that we're still able to feel God's presence. Amen. We don't don't need the priest here to feel God's presence. (laughs) No, but we love Pastor and we love Sister Burke. And um, we're just thankful that they have built a church that can move and operate in the, in the presence of God, um, even in their absence. And so, well, let's get into the Word of God today. Um, I'm going to be speaking just a, one single verse in my first text here, but in John 9. John 9 and verse 4. John 9 and verse 4. It simply says, and this is Jesus speaking, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. One more time, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I just want to speak on the topic today, work while it is day. Work while it is day. And you may be seated.
Today, um, I want you to, if you're willing, agree with me that we're going to recommit ourselves to the work today. I'm going to place these here for for um, altar and we're going to be using these a little bit later but I'm committing today to, to or I'm pledging today to recommit myself to the work today um, this passage in John 9 and verses 1 through 7 says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did, sin this, uh, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And then, using that key verse, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay with, of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind, of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now this man, um, the people who saw it didn't believe him. They were asking questions. Who is this man? Um, do you know who this guy is? Do you know if he's telling the truth? All of these things. Uh, they also went and found his parents and said, you know, just as, as the disciples were, th were thinking, you know, it has to be something related to something in his past, something he did wrong for him to be blind like this. Um, he's been blind for so long. Um, what is it that he did or his parents did to make him blind? And so you can see the difference of thinking here that um, the disciples trying to learn of God and understand his ways, um, they didn't quite understand how this man could just be blind. And Jesus answers them and says that it's not because he's done anything wrong, it's not because his parents did anything wrong, but it's simply because uh, we, we want to see God's work manifest in his life. We want to see a miracle happen and God get the praise for it. Now that's tough to take sometimes. I know that we talk about that sometimes with people who are sick or have diseases or in, or in wheelchairs or whatever the case might be. Um, but God truly does sometimes do that to simply glorify him, to, for him to be glorified through a miraculous event. Um, these kind of things happen, and we see that here in the scripture. Um, but they went as far as to talk to his parents, and they said, you know, um, well, in that time, it was, uh, if, if you were to say that Jesus was the son of God, then um, if he was the promised one, then you'd be kicked out of the church, you'd be kicked out of the synagogue, and so they asked his parents, and they didn't want to touch that. They didn't want to be kicked out. So they said, he's of age. He's old enough. He's um, of age himself. He can answer and respond for himself. And so they told him to ask him. And so he, he replied, I, you know, I've, I was blind, and, and I did exactly what he told me, and now I can see. And so 
this uh, scenario, this story, you know, when it comes to the verse in chapter, or in uh, verse number four, where he says, I must do the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Yeah, he wasn't just speaking uh, in the moment, that, that moment in the day, saying that it's almost dark, I've got to hurry up and do this. But he was saying something that had a little bit more meaning to it, and we see that throughout his, his ministry. But let's talk about Jesus' work, work ethic. Jesus set the example early on um, for a strong work ethic. Even in creation, he created six days out of seven. Um, we see that in Scripture, the Sabbath day is uh, in place, and it's supposed to be a day of rest from work. But again, it's the seventh day. It's the seventh day. So six days of work, hard work, putting all this time in, and then we take a day off, and we take a break. How many like your weekends? How many are frustrated whenever something happens, and it takes you, you know, you have to work on your weekend, or whatever that is? Um, I don't know why, but I mean, all of us are probably in this situation right now where we are at our house way too much, and we find way too many projects to work on, and we start doing things, and building things, and messing with stuff, and we get way in over our heads, and, uh, you know, I decided to build a deck on the back of my house, and that took weeks of, of my time to do that. Weekends, uh, you know, were committed to it. And uh, I actually took two vacation days to work on the deck. And then I thought, man, after this, I need a vacation. But I'm out of vacation days. Um, but we, uh, we work hard. Uh, we um, have jobs, and we, we do the work that's required of us to provide for our families and to do what needs to be done. Um, and so this model is set up that we work as hard as we can and we take breaks. We work as hard as we can and we take breaks. And, and in this story, uh, in John, uh, the, they were actually frustrated with him because he did this on the Sabbath day. And that was a no-no. You weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath day. You weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath day. There are people who... Um, to this day, uh, you know, honor the Sabbath day and do not work and do not go anywhere, do anything. I mean, um, I've heard people uh, who, are, who are Jewish that have talked about uh, that if you were to truly uh, do this the way that, that some people uh, claim to do it, that you would sit in a room and just do absolutely nothing, that your food would be brought to you and things like that. Um, you would do absolutely nothing. And so, um, so we, we see here that r religious uh, people were really frustrated that Jesus was working on the Sabbath day, and he had to kind of tell them that, you know, this, uh, that the Sabbath day was made for man. It was made for him to rest. It was made for his benefit, uh, not man for the Sabbath. And so it wasn't something that, um, you know, he, he basically kind of turned things on its head and said that I can do good things and I can heal people and all of these things on the Sabbath day. So that frustrated people. They weren't happy with his, um, the way that he chose to do things, but that was Jesus. He came in and turned religious uh, leaders on their head and, and, and changed the dynamics of things. We also see that uh, really early on, uh, in, in uh, Jesus's life that in Luke 2 and verse 43 that it says, and when they had fulfilled the days 
as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. So they went there for this festival. They went there uh, to spend time in Jerusalem. And when they left, they just assumed that he was with the group. And Jesus would, had stayed behind, and he, uh, they found him eventually working in the temple. and uh, Not working, but teaching in the temple. And all the, the religious leaders were all amazed at his knowledge and his wisdom at that age. And this was a very, very early in his life. Luke uh, 2.49 says, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? So again, work ethic. Jesus put in the time. He put in the work. Even at an early age, he had a passion to do the work of God. The Bible talks a little bit about slothfulness in Proverbs and can probably cut a little bit deep some of those passages of scripture but Proverbs 24:30 through 32 says I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding and lo it was all grown over with thorns and nestles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down and then I saw and considered it well I looked upon it and received instruction talking about the slothful man the one who uh, decides to uh, sit and not work when it's time to work, the one who doesn't reap the benefits of the harvest when the harvest comes, the one who decides to wait to plant his seeds uh, in the soil and then uh, ruins his crops because of his laziness, uh, doesn't have an opportunity in the winter to reap those benefits of the, plant, the seeds that he planted. So Proverbs talks several times about the slothful man and talks about how that there, is no, um, there are no benefits to being a slothful person, that, that, the work, uh, that choosing to not do the work will cause you to not see or reap the rewards of that. This church, I'm so thankful over the years of all of the people who have put time and effort and all of these things into building this church. This church is a product of not what you see here in this room, but is a product of people who have built this church and then gone on to do other works in other places. People who have built this church and have stayed here. This church is built on the hard work and the, um, the love and passion for the work of God in this community by its people. And... That brings me to my first point, and that is the awareness of the need. We uh, read in the scripture in John where it said, and, and as Jesus passed by, this is in verse 1, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. A need. A need was present, and Jesus saw a man which was blind. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin uh, this man or his parents, or was he born blind? And, you know, human nature always assumes that someone's situation must be the result of some mistake that they've made. Human nature um, believes that there, uh, there must be some reason behind this. Even the disciples made this mistake of believing that there had to be a reason for his blindness. What if we stopped looking at people's misfortunes with judgment and started looking them at them as opportunities for God to be glorified. 
taking a situation of a man who's blind and not judging him or not casting judgment on someone who uh, is in sin or in uh, someone who is afflicted with something, not casting judgment on them, not looking at them with um, a distance. We, we uh, have probably all heard the story of the Samaritan where everyone walked past this man because they didn't want to get involved. They didn't want to be um, bothered by this man and his affliction. And we see that the, the uh, Samaritan man actually had compassion, it says, and that he went to him and he helped mend his wounds and he gave him a place to stay and all of these things. What would happen if we looked at people in that way? That's basically what Jesus is doing here. He saw this man who was blind from his birth. That's the first part of it. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but the works but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Jesus acquired the ability to notice needs naturally. And he got this from his mom. In John 2, verse 1 through 5, we see the story of Jesus' first miracle. It says in, um, in verse 1, And the third, day was, uh, the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. She noticed a need. She saw a need. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatever he saith unto you, do it. Verse 11, skipping down, says this, beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Early on in his ministry, one of the first miracles that you see, he wasn't the one who sought out the need necessarily, but his mother came to him and said, they are in need of wine. And so Jesus responds to the need, but he doesn't really respond uh, just right away, but he says, you know, this, this isn't my time yet. It's not my time to do this yet. A lot of times we see needs, but we respond to those with say, by saying, I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm not ready um, to preach a message yet. I'm not ready to teach a Bible study yet. I'm not ready to do that yet because my time has not come yet. And you know, uh, sometimes it can be frustrating when you have a parent that pushes you into something that tells you, uh, you should really do this, you should really go for it. But, you know, usually it's pretty rewarding in the end um, when you actually get out there and you actually do it and you feel good about it. But, um, but this, was, uh, this was a situation where um, Jesus' mother kind of was looking out for him in a way and, and responding to a need she knew, had faith, believed in him, and knew that he could do it. And I believe that we have a pastor and a pastor's wife who look at us and say, they can do this. They can, they can um, take this need and they can solve this problem uh, through God. And so, um, so they, uh, she kind of urged him, pushed him to get out of his comfort zone a little bit. He didn't want to really do it yet. He didn't feel like his time was yet come, but, but she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And so he did that. 
And so there are going to be times in our lives where we feel unequipped. There are going to be times in our lives where we feel unworthy to do something in the kingdom of God. But most importantly than anything is the need and the urgency of the work. We, um, our key verse in verse 4 of John John 9 and verse 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Jesus understood the urgency of the work at hand. Jesus in creation placed parameters on the work that could be done within a certain amount of time frame. In creation, he created light and he created darkness and formed what we know as a day. And in that day's time is the opportunity for a man to do the work that God has called him to, or even to do the work uh, in the fields with his hands, or whatever it is that you do from a day-to-day job. We've tried to manipulate this, uh, this or, or use it to our advantage as much as we can, but still we are limited by the amount of light that we're given in a single day. Ancient civilizations adjusted daily schedules to the sun more flexibly than daylight savings time does, often dividing daylight into 12 hours regardless of daytime so that each daylight hour became progressively longer during spring and shorter during autumn. For example, the Romans kept time with water clocks that had different scales for different months of the year. So we try to do our best to squeeze as much time out of this, uh, out of the sun as we can to get the work done that we need to do. How many of you worked late at night whenever it's dark? You mowed your grass in the dark. I've done it. I know my neighbors hate me for it. I used to work for a guy that uh, would, we would do all the jobs that we could in the neighborhoods, and then whenever it was dark, we would go to the commercial areas where there were lights on, and we could mow in the dark. I think I was probably 14. I think that was probably uh, child slave labor or something. (laughs) But but we do that. We squeeze as much possible time as we can for our physical jobs every single day. Sometimes we get too caught up in our work and we spend time after time after time um, working until the latest hours of the day. You know, many of us are uh, maybe working from home now. I've been working from home for several years now. And um, I I saw a video the other day of a guy, and he was, you know, it showed the phases of working from home. And uh, and number one was optimism and really excited about working from home. And then it progressed from there, and it became, uh, you know, the the setup or whatever it was, the the desk setup. So you get excited about your desk setup, and and he he set up his kids... uh, uh, toddler chairs and then set something on top of it and had his desk area, you know. And then he, uh, he goes from there and he, um, I think the next phase was um, interruptions or something like that. And so then it was uh, kids coming in the room and, and all this stuff and he's in the bathtub uh, trying to work and his kids come in there and they're banging stuff. And, um, and so it, it just progresses on and on and on from there and it, and it starts talking about distractions and things and, and he's out mowing the lawn during the day when he's supposed to be working. And, uh, and then finally, it's pitch dark out and it's dark in the house, the lights are dim and he stands back and he says, that was a pretty good day, pretty uh, productive day. <laughs> I got a lot of work done today. 
Um, but yes, that is how it happens pretty often whenever we uh, work from home and we get distractions. I know that all too well. But, um, but we do our best in our jobs to squeeze as much productivity and time as we can out of that day. If we're not working um, long hours or overtime, we're coming home and we're working on projects at the house. And I just wonder what it would be like if we centered our lives around Jesus Christ. If we were to um, take the needs of the church into consideration more than our daily provisions, more than our daily work that we do. There are needs in the church. That is what we already talked about, the awareness of the need. If you uh, were to look around this building, you'd see all kinds of things that, if you were really were to look close, were needs in this, in this building. One of the things that got recently brought to my attention was that there were bricks falling from the, or uh, deteriorating from the building here on the corner. It's something that you probably wouldn't notice because whenever you look up at it, you don't really see it on the outside. And uh, most of the time when you're driving, you don't see that high up. But if you look, there are pieces of the brick that are coming off. And so the needs in this church are great. All you have to do is really take a deeper look, and you'll see the need. And not just those kinds of structural needs and, and all of that, but there are needs for Sunday school teachers. There are needs for, for, um, for people to just do the work of God each and every week. And if you take a deeper look, you'll see that there are those needs there. And what would happen if we decided to shift our perspective a little bit and change our focus from the things of this world and the things that are temporal and the things that um, will satisfy us for a short period of time, those things that we can maybe bury in the ground with us but we can't take with us to heaven, those physical needs, those those things that are temporal, temporal needs. But what if we started focusing and having awareness of the eternal needs in our city? What if we focused our efforts on the eternal needs for salvation in people's lives? What if we focused our needs on the need for, for, um, for teaching Bible studies to people who don't understand or know God? We can turn on our uh, phones and we can look up, uh, open the Facebook app or open Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is that you use, and you can see that this world is in desperate need of the church. And unfortunately, the church has, over time, um, you, you know, I, I believe in the, the, the pushing forward of the church. I believe that the church has been successful over the years. I believe that, um, that other religions have maybe uh, shown their fruits and shown their true colors, but the church, the Christian church, the church that God has established, I believe has bared good fruit and has been the salt of the earth, as pastors talked about, and has been the light that is shown. But unfortunately, the church has also be received a kind of negative perception, and you see that in the news a lot now. People um, that serve God and live for God are all, all of a sudden brushed off as being um, intolerant of everyone and, and hating everyone and, and being just angry and bitter and mad and, and they, you know, whatever. 
but I believe that the apostolic church has stood the test of time as a church that loves people. And this urgency, when, when we see the need, we can't help but notice the urgency of the matter at hand. We try to extend our time here on the earth even through procedures and medicine physically, but we only are allotted a certain amount of time, and that's what Jesus was trying to say. The urgency of the need at hand is that there is only a certain amount of light, that there's a, only a certain amount of time that I'm here on this earth to do the work of God, and that is the urgency of the need. Now let's talk about the heart for the work. Now, if you look at the three different kind of major wars that we fought recently in recent history, you can look at the differences and understand the differences in the perceptions of World War II, the Vietnam War, and the war on Afghanistan. What's the difference in people's perceptions of those wars? I believe that one of the big differences is heart. World War II was met with men and women wanting desperately to go and fight. They felt a sense of duty. And after 9-11, men and women wanted desperately to go fight the evil that attacked our nation. But what about Vietnam? Vietnam is most known as the war that no one wanted to fight. It's known, as the amount, it's known for the amount of draft dodgers that tried to avoid it. So what makes the difference? the cause, and your heart. The cause is so great, and your response to it is even greater. And you go on the battlefield, and you fight the best you can. The best soldier is the soldier that fights with heart, the one so overwhelmed with a sense of duty that they would give their lives for the cause. We see a story, an example, in the book of Jonah, of a so-called maybe draft dodger, if you will. Someone who tried to avoid the duty and the responsibility placed upon him. In Jonah 1, in verse 1 through 3, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish, from the presence of God and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. Uh, so he paid the fare thereof and went down unto it to go with them unto Tarshish and the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. He wasn't only fleeing a city, but he was fleeing the presence of the Lord. How many times has God urged us and asked us to do something? Go and do that thing, whatever it is that he is calling us to do, and we flee completely from it. It may not be a physical fleeing from a city, but it's fleeing, as it says here, he, from the presence of, of the Lord. He fleed from the Lord's presence. And many times we wonder why it is that we struggle so much to understand the will of God and the purpose and the plan of God for our lives. When it says here that when he decided to go against God and flee to another city, that he fled the presence of God. 
How can you understand and communicate with God if you're not even in his presence? Now, how many times have we ran from God the things that God is calling us to? And then later down in that uh, passage of Scripture in Jonah 1, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You know, we can find ourselves in the craziest of circumstances when we run from God. Now, I've never been in the belly of a fish, and I've I remember there were tracks that we had when we were a kid of this guy that got swallowed by a whale and the fishermen caught him. I don't know if this is a true story. The, whatever Christian publication used it as a true story, so let's hope they did their research. Um, but this man was swallowed by a fish and uh, was, they caught, went out and caught the fish. They found the fish, the whale, whatever it was, and they, uh, they cut him open and the guy was alive inside, and his skin was stained yellow. I just imagine maybe this is kind of what happened to, to Jonah. I don't know. It didn't, I don't know if it says anywhere. Maybe Brother Ron can do some research on this if he was yellow from then on. Um, but, uh, but then I think in the story in the track, it said that the kids would laugh at him and at the guy and call him what, whale guy or something like that. I don't know. But, um, but he ran from God and he got himself into a situation that was a lot further than he thought he was going to go. I don't think when he bought that ticket to get on that boat that he was expecting it to be such an interactive ride. But he instead found himself in a, an, an insane, crazy circumstance from running from God and God's will. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 2, then Jonah prayed unto the Lord. Of course he did. <laughs> I think any of us would. He prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. God will always seek you. He will do his best to reach you no matter where you're at. You sometimes, uh, in interesting ways, sometimes in in crazy ways, God will go and seek us out and find us. I'm sure this room is filled with stories of God seeking you out and finding you. In the craziest of circumstances, the craziest of places, I believe that we've um, had stories of people who were sitting on a bar stool that, that turned their life around to God in the midst of the belly of the beast, so to speak. In the midst of the worst circumstances, they turn their lives around and, and back to God. And then it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, the great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, of three days journey. And in verse 9 it said, this was Jonah speaking, but I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spoke unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. What a violent, crazy circumstance to find yourself in just running from God. 
simply running from him. But Jesus will do whatever it takes to find you, to get to you. And so in Jonah verse three, or chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, And God saw their work, so he did what he was called to do. And, and the city of Nineveh had changed and turned around. And, and God had saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he, said, that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. This is someone who, yes, turned his life around and was doing what he was supposed to do, but he was doing it with a bad spirit. And that is a dangerous place to be. We can turn around and we can be doing the work of God, but we can be doing it with a spirit that is not of God. And I believe that God is constantly seeking us, constantly trying to perfect us. We're not perfect and God doesn't expect that from us. Each and every one of us that are doing the work of God are, have some weakness in our lives, some uh, sin in our hearts maybe that we're trying to work through, but we're doing our best. And this is where Jonah found himself. He begrudgingly did the work that God called him to do, but he did it and he was angry. Jonah, it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and, repent, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Even turning around, even after being in the belly of a whale, you'd think he'd be a little bit more appreciative, a little bit more thankful unto God, but he wanted death over life. He was angry. We're not always going to like where God has us right now. We're not always going to like the place that God has placed us in at this moment. I know for me, when I was younger, I, I was pretty frustrated at times, I'm sure, when my job was to do whatever was required at the church. And I was here with my parents on a weeknight or a weekend and just doing something I didn't want to do. And a lot of us are there in those, those moments and have been in those places and maybe are still in those places right now where you just don't see the promise that God has given you. You don't see further into the future of what God is calling you to. And, and you are frustrated with God and you're angry at God because this, yes, you're doing the work of God, but you're not doing it the way that God wants you to. We sang that song, to pour me out. Wherever I am, wherever I go, pour me out. And that's an easy song to sing, and, and we, we feel the emotions of that. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing at the moment, God, pour me out. Make me a vessel of your love. Make me a vessel of your peace. We sing that song, and we feel that emotion. But what about whenever we don't really like where we're at? And we need, still need to be poured out. We still need to be used. We still need to feel God's presence and, and do the work that he's called us to do. And the work we've learned is urgent and the work and the needs are prevalent in this church and in this city. And the work is, is 
timely. We have to do it uh, during the time that God has given us on this earth and as a church body in this city. We don't know what God's plan is for this city. We don't know what God's, besides for the promises that he's given us, but we don't know what God is going to decide to do. We have time right now, time right now to do the work of God. And how will we respond to it? I'm going to bring this to a close in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 7 through 10. Ecclesiastes 9, 7 through 10. It says, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine and uh, with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all these days of the life of thy vanity, which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. For that is my portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Now, I placed these papers up here in these pens, and it's in a, an effort for us to write some things down, to recommit ourselves. I don't, I don't think that I have to uh, tell you, or, and I don't know, what God has been putting on your heart. I believe that every single one of us have a burden that God has placed on us, whether we've brushed it off, whether we've put it off for the time being, there is a burden in our hearts. And it may be in response to what we're seeing in our world, and it may be in response to what uh, we're feeling right now, maybe with our families or whatever, but we have a burden deep in our hearts to do the work of God that he has sent us to do. And we could make a lot of excuses for why this is not the right time. We can make a lot of excuses for why this is not the right moment for me to do the work of God. This is not the right time for me to get involved. I haven't been here long enough. I haven't done enough living for God. I, you know, I see all these examples. Great women of faith, Sister Sheets, Grandma. I see all these people of faith, and they have lived this great life, missionaries over in foreign fields, and, and all this stuff, and they have all this influence, and all these things, and we compare ourselves, but all God is asking for us to do is just respond to needs. Just see the need, and do the work. He's called us to do that. And, and I want us today, I, I, I believe that this is the day that Landmark gets to work. That this is the day that Landmark uh, stops making excuses. And I talk to myself in this completely. Because there are times where I know that I should do something for God and I should be doing the work of God, but I put it on hold because... You know, I want to please myself. I want to do things that, that I want to do. I want to do a hobby. I want to do something else. But, but what would it look like 
if we just simply responded to needs and responded to the calling of God's voice. Didn't turn away from it like Jonah did. Didn't walk away from it like he did. And didn't get angry and bitter in the moment, but just did what God called us to do. And I promise you, God will, will reveal and God will keep his word on those promises he's given you. If it's truly of God, and he has given you a promise that says that you will be doing something for him, I believe he's going to do that. But I believe that you have to start with something today. Whatever that is that your hand findeth to do, do it with your might. If we could stand today and come to this front, I want you to grab one of these pieces of paper. And there's a few pens here, but you can share those if you want. And I want us to just take one of these pieces of paper for you personally, and I want you to write something on it that God has burdened you to do that you can do today. Something that you can stop making excuses about, something that you can put into action right now. And we're going to be singing this song again, this song we sang just a little bit ago. Pour me out. Pour me out, God. Wherever I am, wherever I go, God, pour me out. And I want us to make that our prayer today. And if we could stay around the front here, we're going to pray together. We're going to commit together with these things. You know, there are physical needs here in this church. There are financial needs here in this church. There are a lot of different things like that. We've already heard last week that, you know, Pastor, and I've seen this, and I'm, I feel guilty for this, but I've watched him mow the grass here. I've watched him do those kinds of things. So, yes, there are those kinds of things that uh, we need people to sign up in the nursery. Those are out there on the welcome desk to sign up for that. And yes, so there are a lot of things like that that we can do and we need to do. And we need to kind of get out of our comfort zone, get out of our, uh, the realm of, of just kind of our endless cycle of, of pleasing ourselves and doing what we want and do those kinds of things to help out. Because I, I believe, and maybe you agree with me, the pastor should not be mowing the grass. Amen. And, and there are these needs. We talk about it. We talk about it all the time. What are we going to do about this? We need people to sign up for this. We need people's help. Uh, we need Sunday school. Sonia, Sister Sonia is always needing people to do, uh, you know, to help with Sunday school and all of that. Um, there's just a lot of those kinds of needs in the church, and I believe that we're going to respond to that today, and we're going to to make that step and take that effort. But there's also a lot of spiritual needs in this city. And there are people out there right now that are dependent on us responding today. And yes, we have a limited amount of time in which we can work and do the work of God, but there is also a limited amount of time that they're here on this earth, that they need to hear about God's presence. They need to feel and experience this with us. So we're going to commit today, and if you've written it down, you can hold that up or, or just keep that to yourself if you'd like. But we're going to pray today. 
And then after that, we're going to sing this song again, and we're going to, we're going to lift these, these things up to God, and we're going to recommit ourselves. But let's do that right now, first and foremost. Let's take these things that you've prayed over right now, and let's recommit them to God. Jesus, we pray. God, right now, for every need that's in this place, Jesus. God, and the, and the response that you